0: Communicators are always called upon in a in a crisis. Um, you know, there's the argument as well around communicators having, you know, the, those kind of seats at the top table and having representation on boards. But certainly, um, in a crisis, even if you don't have that seat at the top table, communicators are always called upon. Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thank you for joining me. Today, my guest is Lorian Hubbard, one of the rising stars of communications in the United Kingdom. Lorian is based in Wales and is currently the head of engagement for the Welsh Parliament. But previously, she's held senior positions at both Number 10 Downing Street and also with the Cabinet Office. Lorian is also the founder and co-president of Women in PR in Wales, the first group to empower, inspire and support women in the communication sector across Wales. Alongside that role, Lorian is also an international board member of Global Women in PR and a chartered assessor for the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. Now, Lorian was a guest of ours, a guest presenter at the GovComs Festival in 2020. And she made that presentation, that great presentation titled Brexit and Our Current Landscape, where the outlines the responsibilities of different governments in the UK. She is also listed in the UK Week's Power Book of 2021. And she joins me on the line from her home in Wales today. Lorian, welcome to GovComs.
0: Oh thank you so much it's great to be
1: here with you today. So your position now in the Welsh Parliament give us take us through that because it's a it's a different role to working for a parliament as it is working actually in the government isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, as many of you know, the Parliament is there to obviously um, legislate, um, to hold the government to account, um, which is very different for me, because uh, for the last, uh, oh God, just under 10 years, I've been working for um, various governments in the UK. Um, So, yeah, definitely a a shift for me. But yeah, very much here to, um, like I said, look at the uh, government, uh, call them to account, pass legislations, um, make taxes we've got here in Wales. Now we've got our own legislative powers. Um, You would have heard me speak at the uh, festival you just mentioned earlier where I did talk about the devolved nations in the UK. So uh, Wales does have its own um, uh, legislative-making powers. Um, So, yeah, very much a different um, side of the coin for me, but um, really enjoying it so far in the last couple of months since I've,
1: I've joined. So in terms of your who you report to, is it ultimately, do you report through to the Speaker of the Parliament, of the House?
0: So we've got a Chief Executive um, who is our Chief Accounting Officer and responsible for the, um, the staff and the running of the Senate. But yes, the fluid. Um, the As we uh, call our our speaker here in Wales, Um, yeah, very much uh, working with the uh, effectively known as the Speaker of the House um, on all of these different um, areas uh, in the Senedd, um, which is the Welsh uh, word for uh, the Welsh Parliament here in Wales. Hmm.
1: So, take us through that that the journey into um, taking responsibility for engagement for the Welsh Parliament, what were some of the things that you were thinking of as you, you took up the job and what are the, some of the things that have um, surprised you so far in the role?
0: Yeah, I mean, just to um, kind of take a, a little step back into why I even, you know, looked at the role um, in the first place. As, as you know, um, again, from the uh, talk that I gave as, as part of the festival towards the end of last year, I was the um, one of the strategic leads on the Brexit campaign in Cabinet Office. And my campaign was looking after um, citizens. So I was very much looking after um, UK citizens who would be travelling to the EU and any UK citizens who were living or working in the EU. So I was very, very citizen Uh, Focused, Obviously, as communicators, we're all audience um, led focused or or we absolutely should be. Um, But I was looking after um, the citizens element um, and knowing that the transition period was coming to an end um, in the UK uh, for Brexit. As we entered our um, new start, our new way in the world um, as uh, the United Kingdom. um, I knew that after working on Brexit for four years, I was looking for a a different challenge. Um, And when the role came up um, back in Wales, um the engagement role just really really interested me because it is looking after uh, a lot of the citizen led um side of what the Senate does, so that is um looking at um the kind of big events that happen. Um, On the estate, so we're looking at the official opening of our parliament over the next uh, couple of months. We've just had an election here in Wales. Um, That's also any um, members of the parliament or members of the Senate, um, any events that they hold um, with members of the community on the site. Um, We open our estate up to filming um, as well. We've got a Netflix production um, happening uh, here in Wales over the summer and they're using our our, our building, so we'll be um, connecting there. But then it's also the direct... um, engagement uh, that comes under the role as well. So looking at um, citizen engagement in terms of um, getting out there, the outreach programme when uh, COVID restrictions allow here in Wales, um, where we can go out to um, summer shows, um, talk to local groups about what the work of the Senate does. I also have a team that um, works with certain groups to make sure that we get their lived experiences heard as part of any um, committee inquiries or um, any public inquiries to make sure that, that they're brought into that process. Um, and then we've also got um, a huge um, education and youth um, agenda um, with a Welsh Youth Parliament um, so the election for that is happening later this year where we'll be looking at 60 um, youth members, 11 to 16 year olds to join a Welsh uh, Youth Parliament and then also working with schools um, and youth groups to educate them on the work of the Senate and to um, hopefully get them interested in the work that we do in hope that they'll um, stay engaged with us um, in the future.
1: Hmm. So what sort of a team do you have? You, you mentioned you have the, it sounds like a stakeholder engagement team that are going out into the community gathering that lived experience but what, what other um, resources do you have to, to carry out those tasks that you, you just mentioned?
0: Yeah, so I I sit in the communications and engagement directorate. So my department is um, a new one that's come out of a recent uh, restructure to have more emphasis on on comms and engagement. So I'm working really, really closely with um, the new um, head of communications. As you know, my background is um, communications as well, but with those um, engagement roles and particularly that citizen focused element in my um, latest, uh, my most recent communications role. So within my department, I've got um, an events team, like you said an outreach team um, I've got an inbound team where um, anyone coming on to the estate, um, there's a, a team there. The front of house team, so as soon as anyone comes in for any tours in the centre, that they're there to meet and greet uh, members of the public. Um, so th- there's a whole range of um, different teams uh, that sit within my department. But I mentioned about the communications team, so we work really, really closely together. Uh, we're actually working together at the moment to have a look at uh, more emphasis around our audience insight um, to strengthen. In the evaluation um, in the senate um those two things alone are just a real uh, priority areas for me and i'm also going to be um calling on uh, colleagues from cabinet office that i'm already in discussion with to help bring in some behavioral science practice to look at the uh, barriers to engagement so there's there's a lot of resource at our disposal to really take um, the engagement work to the next level but working really really closely with that communications team, which is made up of um, digital news, um, our branding team sits there. Um, so there's um, a, a lot of um, different channels um, to make sure that we're getting our messages out there as well, especially at the moment while we can't um, get out there face to face at the moment here in Wales, because we are still under um, COVID restrictions.
1: Hmm. So are you able to reach back into the the cabinet office and get access to those resources as part of your uh, official role or are you just sort of tapping old mates on the shoulder to get them to give you a bit of a hand?
0: No definitely we can um, you know the government communication service as you know is um, you know ploughing ahead with uh, best practice in this space um, and the behavioural science team are actually um, an arm similar to the um, GCSI the international um, arm of the government communication service the behavioural science Um, team are starting to work in a similar way where they're outsourcing some of their work Um, so absolutely I mean it it is about networks in our industry as well and and who you know Um, and I'm I'm a massive massive advocate for making sure that you're building your networks your contacts and making sure that you've got people that you can call upon but it will absolutely be through um, the official uh, kind of government communication service channels now that they are able to outsource um, their work um yeah, I I just think, you know, working in government communication service as well and seeing what they do and we're actually looking at becoming um an affiliate member given that we're a public mm. sector body rather than a, a government communication um body. And they're actually looking at opening um that up to affiliate uh, members at the moment. So we're working with them um to see if we can um get access that way as well. Um but yeah, I'm
1: just still a huge, huge fan of that, uh, of that service here in the UK. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And uh, it's great to hear, you know, the innovation continues and why not? You know, why wouldn't you, uh, you know, open uh, open your arms to, to provide that access um, to the Welsh Parliament? It makes good sense that you should be able to reach into that organisation. i Perhaps also a bit interested to just, uh, you know, in those wider roles that you have around communication and obviously the networks that you have, you've been around for a while We've just been through and, you know, have we been through it? You know, back here in Australia now, we're copying it a little bit. Um, certainly nothing like um, you've had it there in the United Kingdom and, and across Europe and North America and indeed Asia and Africa. Australia's got off pretty lightly so far. But certainly there's significant changes in the in, in the role of communication and engagement, the emphasis of communication engagement, And really, its importance um, on the spectrum, really, as far as government um, uh, goes, it really does seem to have sort of leapt forward uh, in terms of importance. And we're seeing here in Australia a scramble for resources uh, within government and public sector organisations to try to start to fill um, what they see as increasing demand. Are you seeing that same thing happening in the United Kingdom and, and in in and around Wales?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, d- I definitely think the pandemic, I mean, communicators are always called upon in a, in a crisis. Um, you know, the, there's the argument as well around communicators having, you know, the, those kind of seats at the top table and having a representation on boards. But certainly um, in a crisis, even if you don't have that seat at the top table, communicators are always called upon. And obviously we've been in crisis now for, um, you know, over a year and it's really put, communications on the map in terms of our value, what we can um, deliver, um, the outcome-driven um, side of our work. So yeah, definitely there's there's more demand um, on us. I think this is why, um, certainly in Welsh Parliament, that there has been that emphasis on strengthening the communications and engagement um, teams and it's definitely something that that we're seeing more of a, a demand on now that we're um having restrictions lift so um yeah i think all of the work that we've been able to demonstrate over the last year as well and how we've reached uh different audiences across different channels how we've been able to um you know tap into um, the digital space a lot more i mean i think everyone's talked about for ages the changing media landscape and the impact that digital has had on that but i think we've really been able to delve into the digital depths over the last um, 18 months um, and to show how we can really tap in and reach our audiences um and, and i just think our experiences of working and understanding our audiences as well as is, is massively coming to the surface i mean sometimes we barely scratch the surface in our kind of stakeholder mapping and, and knowing our audiences but we've really had to kind of drill down into um the, the depth of uh knowing our audiences where they are on our channels how to reach them um, and I, I think it's shown just how much value that we add as communicators and our skill base has grown exponentially, I think, in this space um, over the last 18 months. And I
1: think that is going to continue. What have you seen or what have you found has been the biggest challenges for you as a as an established professional dealing in this new environment? What are the things that you're having to work on to continually improve, Uh to ensure that you remain effective in your role?
0: Yeah, I think it is making sure that we're staying on top of um, where our audiences are, the, the channels, um, where they are. Um, so, you know, at, at the start of the um, pandemic, I wasn't on TikTok. I am now um, and, you know, quite enjoying um, that that channel. And um, It's probably not um, something that I um, – would have uh, probably joined, um, you know, had it not been such a a huge growth um, channel. Um, You know, you're always aware of the channels that are out there, but um, to to be on it um, myself, I think it's really important to make sure that you're on these channels, you're using them, so you're understanding um, how they work. Um, so, I think staying on top of the, the kind of latest trends and, and developments. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago, we saw obviously the, the massive spike in uh, voice tech, um, you know, with the uh, um, Alexa devices and, and Google Home um, devices and, and what understanding what audience are, are on those um, devices as well. So, I definitely think uh, for me personally, it is about making sure that we're staying on top of um, the different technological um, developments that are happening where our audiences are going. But also for me, particularly lately, um, it's been that leadership um, develop continual development in that leadership space as well. Um, You know, we've had to lead teams through some, you know, really exceptional circumstances. I mean, I've worked on Brexit since the referendum and uh, to be honest, didn't think that you know, anything else further afield could, you know, could surpass what we were experiencing with Brexit, quite frankly. Um, You know, and in in the UK, we had change of government, we had change of prime minister, we had delay, delay, delay with, um, you know, with Brexit. Um, And we were all constantly working, you know, again, in a a state of crisis. And then COVID came along. Um, So, you know, that leadership role for me has been really, really critical. Um, I invested in an executive coach, actually, over the last year to make sure that I was getting support um, in in my leadership capability as well um, as an individual. Um, And, yeah, just leading our teams through these really exceptional times has has been really high on, on my agenda over the last year for sure.
1: What have you learnt about leadership in that period? What's, what's, what's the key to successful leadership?
0: It's strange saying this, but communication. I think as communicators, we we can often be criticised for not communicating well enough within our own teams because we're so busy communicating what our organisations or our um, individuals that we work for what we need to get out for them, that sometimes I think we can forget the basic levels of communications within our own teams. Um, And this is why we've seen massively that, you know, internal communications um, over the last uh, year, particularly, you know, in the UK and and I'm sure around the world as well has um, massively grown. Um, in people having to, especially as people are working from home, how we're making sure that we're staying connected with our teams, how we're making sure that they're still aware of all of the information that they um, need to be on top of. So, yeah, a, a really, really basic, but it is that communication and, and good communication with our staff as well. Clear messaging, regular um, updates, making sure that people are still feeling connected as we're we're all so spread out now and we're not having that um, especially in the UK, we just haven't been in the office, um, you know, some people for, well, like I said, o- over a year. So it's definitely been about how to make sure that there is that effective and clear mm-hmm. communication um, with our teams to make sure that they still feel involved and aware of what they need to be doing and that they can reach out if they need, to, need support. Hmm.
1: But they, people will only reach out, won't they, if they have confidence and they only will have confidence in you as a leader if they believe that you genuinely care. Uh, for them as people outside of whatever professional contribution they make to your team. How do you go about building those personal connections with your teams to ensure that they do have that confidence and trust in you that enables them to perform to their best of ability in their professional role?
0: Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, this is something that um, has been a bit of a struggle coming from um, I was back in the office working in 10 Downing Street, as you mentioned, so I, I was back working with a team in a, a physical environment. Um, and then when I took up the new role in Welsh Parliament, I've um, been you know, thrown back into working from home and having to join a new organisation, um, lead a, a new department. So they've just gone through, like I said, a, a restructure mm-hmm. as well and building those relationships uh, you know, over the, over the screen. Um, and it's been making sure that I've been, uh, as part of my induction, really been in listening mode and making sure that I'm not just speaking to my direct reports, but that I'm speaking to kind of every layer um, within the team, holding regular um, sessions with the the team as a whole. We had a virtual away day pretty much as soon as I started. Um, Me and the uh, head of comms, we we did that together jointly as soon as we started. And then where restrictions have allowed, I've also been making sure that I have met individuals um, face to face, Again, within the um, COVID restrictions here in Wales, just to make sure that there is that that touch point um, with people because it's, it's sometimes it's so hard to build that rapport um, online. That I've been keeping an eye on what what is possible within the restrictions that we have um, to have those face to face connections, but also making sure that I'm putting that time in. Um, to make sure that the, the team know that I'm here I'm open and if, if they need to come to me for anything that they can so again it's been that regular dialogue and also making sure that I'm speaking to all members of the team not just my um, direct reports I think as a leader it's really important to be open that members of your team at any level can feel comfortable to to talk to you that there shouldn't just be this you know chain of command that they go up through you know one manager to another manager to another manager um, that we should be open for for anyone to be able to to reach out and connect with us and that I've really
1: tried to put an emphasis on that when joining this new role. Yeah well it's something and it's it's one of those skills isn't it that you you know you never conquer you're always looking to improve you're always looking to find you know that next insight that next engagement that um, keeps you credible I suppose and, and keeps you engaged and if people feel, uh, you know, again, I get back to that point that, you know, f- how people feel about you is so important. So how much of yourself do you give to the role, um, you know, in, in, of, of uh, engaging with people? How vulnerable and open are you in the way that you lead?
0: Yeah, I think honesty is, you know, is such a an important aspect of, of being a leader. I mean, um, I mentioned that I've, you know, find it uh, difficult to kind of build a rapport and get to know people in this kind of virtual way in a, in a new organization and I've been honest and open with my team about that so a- again like you said um you know showing some of my vulnerabilities with my team that um you know that I want to build relationships with people that I'm finding it quite difficult to have that rapport and that we all need to be working together to make sure that we can um, you know, build those relationships. If I was just sat on this side of the screen and saying, "Right, this is what we need to do. This is what we do. I'm here for you," um, but without showing my vulnerabilities as well, in um, you know those those kind of struggles that I've had since joining the organisation, then it, it is about being your authentic self. And uh, we're seeing that so much more now across lots of different channels, not just as individuals, but I mean, we're even seeing it now in the influencing world, um, you know, on, on Instagram, there's a big emphasis now on making sure that it isn't just all, um, you know, ads and affiliations and them showing the best products, but that these influencers do also have a responsibility um, to show that they're being um, authentic um, on their channels as well. And I, I think that's really, really coming through. Um, the more that we're spending time in the digital space and the more time that we're working virtually, um, I think we are seeing that generally across the board, that, um, you know, as individuals, it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to show that, um, you know, your authentic self. Um, and we've got such such a problem with, you know, mental health um, at the moment, particularly in our, our industry with the hours and the, that we have to work, the, you know, the on-call side of life, uh, you know, as communicators. Um, and, you know, it's a big problem. And if we're not honest about that, Mm. then we're always going to have this growing problem. So, yeah, I I think being
1: your authentic self as a leader is really, really important. And it's, you know, all the research tells us that, you know, as we move into this next period that those soft skills or so-called soft skills are going to play a key role in building teams and making them um, effective but I just wonder, and again, I think the you know the GCS, the Government Communications Service in the UK, has done a particularly good job around the profession and the profession model, and actually building the structure and the skills, and giving people the opportunity, you know, to continue to improve and to learn as they go through their uh, careers in different ways. Uh, I'm finding that there's a there's a real lack of skill um, in the marketplace. Uh, in Australia, in many ways, you know, there's not, we don't have that structured system that you have in the in in the GCS, which sort of builds that capability over time. So, and, and, and I think that there's, there is a bit of an issue here that we we don't have quite the quality there. Um, has that system been able to hold up, um, and has the uh, learning? Um, being delivered through the profession model at the GCS, being able to keep up in order to equip staff with the skills that they need um, to be able to be effective and to be uh, relevant in the work that they're doing. So, for example, just say, uh, you know, the behavioural science stuff. uh, Are you teaching enough of that? And uh, are there enough people with enough skills to be able to do the work that you need to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the government communication service are going through um, a reshaping exercise at the moment. So they're they're even they're continually, um, you know, looking at developing that that as a service um, and as a professional um, body for government communicators all the time. Um, So they are going through a big um, reshaping exercise at the moment. But even over the last year, they've even launched um, a new curriculum for um, government communicators. So even though we've been in the throes of the pandemic, the Government Communication Service has still been in that, you know, that engine room of that um, practice and that guidance and that that continual development. Um, they've still been, like I said, in that engine room, churning all of this out to make sure that we are on top of our game, that we are still, you know, learn, learning um, as we go, that we're learning the lessons as, as we're going through, um, you know, the pandemic as well and how we can continually develop. Um, so yeah they've they've just launched um like I said a few months ago a new curriculum um where it's again another structure within the communication uh, government communication service um where at different levels that you can learn um you know those core skills around um, strategy, marketing, news, behavioral science, evaluation, insight, um which are obviously part of the core um, fundamentals for a modern Communication operating model, which um, you know is uh, again based around the um, best practice of how your teams um, should be established as well as your practice. Um, But yeah, so even though, um, like I said, we've been going through this, um, you know, huge, huge crisis that we've all been dealing with over the world, they've still been um, continually evolving to make sure that um, you know professionals are at the top of their game as we're
1: dealing with all these challenges. So you've also taken on, which I admire, sort of a more broader leadership roles, not just there in in the GCS, but more more broadly. And you're involved as a board member of, you know, global women in in PR. What what are you hoping to achieve? Um, what sort of contribution do you want to make um, in that forum?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been so great again over the last couple of years that um, again through different networks that I was um, kind of introduced to um, women in PR um, and they were very um, kind of this is where the journey started with um, getting onto that, that global board um, and that they were very much kind of London centric in the events that they were delivering Um, and I approached them to say that I wanted to set up a group um, here in in Wales, Um, you know, generally across the board, and we we know this around the world with um, women working in um, the the industry as well, that we have, um, especially in the UK, a a two-thirds female um, industry, but then when you look at those top seats at the table, that it very much flips on its head and it's uh, two-thirds male-dominated for those top roles. Um, So there's a lot of work to do in terms of, um, you know, what are the, looking at those barriers, how can we make sure that we're encouraging women to take those next steps, um, looking at flexible ways of working, um, you know, having a look at those those confidence and those softer skills that, that we kind of touched upon earlier. Um, and th- so there's a lot of work to be done there. But through those links with that UK Women in PR group um, that I've been able to set up um, the first group outside of that um, here in Wales and then has led on to the global um, board you know we find that even at Global Women in PR when we look at all of our groups across the world that women are having the same, uh, there are a lot of similar issues um, that we're all learning from each other all the time um, and for mm. me it is about making sure that we can encourage women to, to take more of those,
1: um, those top jobs mm. and what is the barrier do you think to those top jobs is it is it just an inbuilt bias in the system at the moment or is there, what is it what is that barrier
0: yeah, I mean, we you know, we get, we get annual data all the time. Again, it's, it's great to have that data, isn't it, to tell us where we're um, going and, and what we should be looking at. But, you know, there's there's, there's quite a few things um, that do add to that barrier. I think you've touched on, on one of them there. Um, another one is around um, kind of flexible working and when women do take time out at certain levels in their career to have children mm. that they then don't feel that coming back in that they can keep going up um, that ladder if they are either part-time Or looking at a job share. So we need to be making sure and working with organisations to make sure that they've got good, uh, you know, family policies, flexible working policies. I think over the last 18 months, um, you know, there's such a great story to tell around those flexible working practices. Um, I don't think it's quite right yet that, you know, everyone's been from home. There's no kind of team building or, or, or Kind of physical connections um, happening, um, which I think we will come and stuck with if we, um, you know, kind of continue um, down this this way of working. Mm. Um, but having a look at how we can make sure that we're bringing some of that learning back into the workplace, and everyone just just doesn't revert to back in the office. And this is the way that it is. That we need to make sure that we're um, building in some of these uh, flexible ways of working. Um, I think, and also encouraging um, things like job share. I mean, there's some great um, studies out there that show, for example, people work in a six day week, so where somebody can work uh, three days and another individual can work three days, and they have that one crossover day um, in the week. That the um, amount of output that they have compared to the cost of that that one extra day in the week is is quite substantial I don't have the figures with me but it, but it is um you know something that we should be um championing um, for example I I work um a four a five week in four days so I have a, a Friday off at the moment I've got a three and a half year old um and until he's in school I was very keen to make sure that I had an extra day off um with him in the week um, I did have I've had to push for that quite a few times um you know in organizations but I think Talking about it and using, um, you know, situations like this in these examples of when you are in senior roles that you're able to, um, you know, champion these ways of working is something we need to work on. But a lot of it is confidence as well. Um, We do have a lot of imposter syndrome, um, you know, with women. Uh, We do have a lot of of confidence issues in terms of those softer skills, um, in terms of negotiating, um, you know, being more direct um, in the way that we're talking, the way that we um, the way that women feel that they can talk in meetings for example when they are talking um, to more more senior members of staff um, I mean again the government communication service is an excellent um, you know champion of um, women uh, being in those senior positions and I think it's pretty much 50-50 um, under Alex Akin with the directors of comms at, at that level and, and that's filtering down from there um, but outside of um, you know kind of government communications there is still a, a real issue there and this is something that I want to I want to help, and a uh, reason why I set up uh, the group here in Wales, particularly as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it because we have had this massive shock uh in the way that you know workforces were dispersed as quickly as they were back into the home, but then to see what happens, and obviously we can work through it, but surely there's got to be there's got to be a way of um, you know working through all of the insights that we've had to know where, what is that right mix. And I don't know. I hope that people's, um, not only their minds are opened up, but their hearts are opened up as well to understand that, you know, they'll get a better outcome if they think a little bit more uh, clearly uh, about what the benefits are. So one can only hope, Lorian, one can only hope that that may exactly. take place. And I, I certainly think it will. I, I think... Uh, Uh, you know, employers, um, both in the private uh, sector and the public sector are are looking for that. And the scramble and competition for talent is such that, you know, the best people are going to be able to choose exactly what they want to do because they're going to be able to demonstrate the impact that they can uh, have. And if you're a, an employer, it doesn't matter, as I say, whether a private sector, public sector. You're going to come to the table pretty quickly if one of your star performers is saying, "Well, you know what? This is this is how I want to run it." So uh, I think there's, uh, I think there is real opportunity there. And I, I do take your point also around that sort of female characteristic. You know, men are, you know, a bit more full of bluster and moving forward. But really, you know, bringing. Um, The young through and giving them that confidence to say well hang on no you know this is the way it's going to be so how do you make that change though that's a sort of generational change i'm the father of two daughters and i hope that i do it you know i've been doing it since they were kids um you know to get them to speak up but how how do we make that change more broadly
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of both, isn't it? It's kind of coming from the top down and, and the bottom up and how do we meet in the middle? So, um, like you've said, you know, you've got two daughters, so having allies um, in our industry is so, so important. I mean, mm. um, Francis Ingham and, and Alistair, um, who work for, um, so uh, Francis, obviously PRCA um, here in the UK, and, and obviously they're, they're a global body as well, the Public uh, Relations Communications Association um, and the Chartered Institute of, of Public Relations, um, now the, the, the global. Um, body as well, Um, you know, again, led by by two males, but they were very supportive of, um, you know, they support women in PR, um, they supported when I launched um, here in Wales as well. So I think having, um, you know, Alex Akin has come to, to talk at um, our events as well. And um, like I said, um, you know, the, the way that um, the kind of directors of communication, I, I think they are pretty much 50-50, like I said, in um, the government communication service as well. So I think having, um, you know, those kind of male leaders championing and being allies um, for us in this space as well, but also understanding what is is, is required to help. Um, women get to that um, next step is is really important as well um, so that's like i said coming kind of from the the top down but then having a look at from the, the bottom up as well it is about having those skills so um in in our uh, group for example we are you mentioned about us looking at inspiring empowering and supporting and those that is our ethos and our three strands Um, that we focus a lot of our um, efforts around. So um, we quickly switched to um, digital um, events when we had to stop our our face-to-face activity um, last year. And we've heard from a number of speakers around, um, you know, how to present yourself even virtually and how you should be, um, you know, how you can talk um, assertively even in a virtual environment because you're not in the room anymore to have that body language aspect of, Um, you know, in that meeting space. So, we've had people talk to us about how you you can do that in a virtual space. We've had people talk to us about how you can uh, grow your networks and the power of networks, um, something that I'm a massive, um, you know, champion of and and continual professional development. Um, And then you've also got things like, um, you know, you as an individual putting yourself out there. So, especially in this um, digital way of working, how can you make sure that you're growing a profile on LinkedIn, for example, and that you're talking in that space that you need to be in as as a voice in the sector so um, you know we've been doing quite a lot around um, those softer skills to encourage women um, to kind of broaden their um, their skills um, encouraging the use of mentors encouraging the use of coaches I mentioned I am invested in in an executive coach uh, myself over the last year or the last six months actually Um, so that there's lots of different um, ways that we've been trying um, to do that from that that bottom-up perspective as well. Um, and I, my hope is that eventually, you know, we will meet in the middle and that women can then start to rise
1: up, um, you know, to the top. It will happen. It will happen. Um, and certainly with people like you supporting it, I am sure it will happen. It will probably happen faster. Now, listen, um, a quick question or a final question before you go. I just want to ask you to look ahead you know in the next sort of 18 months to two years what what are the things that people should be looking out for uh in order to ensure that they are more effective as we sort of uh, yeah as, as things continue to to stay uh unbalanced uh, uncertain what are the priorities that people should be really focused on in order to you know, deliver impact and, and value for citizens?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at yourself as individuals, it is about your development, like I've already mentioned a couple of times, you know, your networks and your continual professional development. So I think as individuals, um, you know, we have to take time for ourselves to make sure that we are continually growing our practice and we've already touched on some of the leadership aspects in that as well Um, and investing in yourself so I've mentioned about mentors and and coaches um, and making sure that we are on on top of our game and that we're also looking after ourselves Um, but I think in terms of the practice side um, I've mentioned about audiences as well so I I think really really understanding our audiences more not just in terms of um, you know different uh, groups or where they're based but really understanding what makes them tick. So their behaviours, you know, what channels are they using? Um, how do they like to receive their, their communication? So bringing in that behavioural science element um, into our practice. Um, but then also the insight and evaluation, I think, is so critical. I mean, I think that's massively grown and shown um, its um, impact over the last um, 18 months in terms of showing, you know, are we reaching our audiences? Are they Are they understanding? Is it landing well? Are they doing what we need them to do? Um, so I think that insight and evaluation piece is really critical, um, and I talked about it in, in an article um, a couple of weeks ago. That we need to be less activity based measurement and more values based and impact um, driven in our evaluation to continue to show our worth. Because God, we communicators over the last eighteen months, especially, um, you know, have have really really shown their worth and the impact that really good. Communication can have. So, yeah, over the next 18 months, that's the big one for me.
1: Laurie and Hubbard, thank you so much uh, for giving up some of your time uh, to spend with us today, uh, with the audience today. Certainly, uh, your tribe uh, of government communicators around the world who listen each week for the insights from leaders such as yourself. So, thank you so much for uh, being so generous with your time. All the best. Uh, in your new role as Head of Engagement for the Welsh Parliament. I'm sure you'll do a, a wonderful job and what a beautiful country. And uh, good luck with dealing with uh, whatever is heading your way. We just don't know, do we? We just, we just live in uncertain times and we just need to keep looking after each other, I think, as, uh, as, as we deal with what, whatever is coming ahead.
0: Thank you so much and I really appreciate you having me on today. It's been, been great. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much to Lorian Hubbard, and thanks to you, uh, the audience, for coming back once again. What a great! conversation there with a wonderful leader, uh, in the world of government and public sector communications. And I'm sure she'll do a fantastic role there as uh, head of engagement for the Welsh parliament. But great advice I think for, for, for the young in that, you know, think about that, think about your networks, think about, you know, speaking up, thinking about, you know, getting yourself, you've got a seat at the table. Um, Look for mentors. You know, there's such so much great advice there that Lorian had. And then from a professional point of view, this notion of behavioural science. We've known for a long time about the importance of uh, behavioural science. I remember in my university days going way back in the 1980s, we were learning about consumer behaviour. Um, the principles don't change, but it really is about connecting and understanding. But then I think that you know the, the kicker is that insight and evaluation and having the evidence when you are presenting that you have had impact. It's not about the numbers, as Lorian said, it's about the impact. So that insight and evaluation and building it into everything that you do. How are we going to measure? How are we going to demonstrate to the higher-ups The value of the work that we do. I think we've all got a long way to go on that. We can do it together and we'll continue to explore that on the GovComs podcast over the weeks, months, and years ahead. We're now well over 300 episodes of the GovComs podcast and uh, we will keep coming and we will keep delivering it to you on a fortnight's basis. And we've got some more news around the GovComs Institute and also. Uh, the 2021 version of the GovComs Festival, which will take place later in the year, but hold the phone—we'll come back to you with that information in the weeks ahead. But once again, a big thank you to Lorian Hubbard for coming along today, and for you, the audience, for coming back once again. We'll be back at the same time in two weeks, but for the moment, it's bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the GovComs podcast